That's fantastic. Well, Enjoy here that. we go. Now, now we have Natalie E. West. Yeah, do you want to just introduce yourself to the viewers uh, to say what you do and um, your, why you're carnivore, I suppose? Yeah, thanks, Stephen. Um, so I've been a psychotherapist now for over 17 years, but I also use uh, nutrition, obviously, as a foundation of that uh, teaching root cause, teaching people how their minds work um, and also how their gut works with their mind, really important. Uh, so um, that's where I've been for the last 17 years and uh, I have now been carnivore for over four years um, and everyone's gone. Not sure what's happened then, um, but I'll just keep talking. <laughs> so, yeah, so um been in this space really teaching people how their minds work and how important it is uh, with what we fuel ourselves with um, through our gut-brain access and also to what we see, hear and also absorb through our life. So, yeah, hope. Hopefully you caught all that. You guys just disappeared on me. Well, I was I was expanding your picture so people could see you a bit clearer. So we've had a submitted question, which is, uh, what's the most common problem uh, people in, uh, encounter with this way of eating? So in your field, what uh, what comes up the most? Um, yeah. So from my perspective, there's a couple of pathways that I help people understand. Um, a lot of the time when we're conditioned with the diet mentality, a lot of the clickbait, and I will call it clickbait because I'll, you know, kind of all trends have also started to, to kind of seep in, uh, which also doesn't really help people who are programmed from jumping from one diet to another. So it's really about teaching people their diet mentality, where they learn that, how they learned, um, you know, how to use food and why we use food, and also to value systems and self-image is is within that space and helping people understand why they're actually eating, why they've been eating the way they've been eating, but also how carnivore actually, uh, it's a mental and metabolic health protocol. Um, so, you know, we've really got to understand the value structure of that and, and not um, jump on the bandwagons. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, Richard was was uh, quite revealing earlier on when he was saying that because um, Richard has lost a lot of weight, and uh, if, if you don't mind me repeating this, Richard, you know, you were saying that you were making yourself sick, you know, because you didn't want to gain any more weight. So, is that the sort of thing that uh, you encounter still um, that people are just? bulimic and uh, anorexic and um is that a big is that a big thing that's still happening for you yeah look so a lot of the time you know i, I see a lot of disordered eating are uh, really unhealthy patterns um i also come from a background of the bodybuilding industry so i know my own disordered eating pattern with weighing things for many years which doesn't really help our mindset in any way shape or form um i think the biggest thing is really getting people to understand their unconscious self-image which drives that behavior. Um, so when we're looking at fear of food or fear of putting on weight or losing weight, it really comes back to, again, how we've been programmed externally through validation and acceptance. So even if we understand, you know, one little word that, that how our mind works is, you know, for example, when you use physical health, for example, versus metabolic health, physical health, your mind's going to automatically go external. And it's going to be about perceptions of external inward of how 
we look and how we perceive ourselves and our value. If you use metabolic health, your mind mostly doesn't really know where to go with that, but it's more of an internal structure uh, than an external structure. Um, so it really is to people um, the value structures of why they uh, have, again, been conditioned and programmed to uh, use food with calories, dieting, um, all of that. Does that make sense, guys? It does, Richard. Have you got a question? No, I'm just happy to take this in at the moment, to be honest. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, it, um, it, it's it's something we keep coming back to, isn't it, in regards to uh, you know the, how uh, food addiction affects the way that we the way that we the we, we we think about food, isn't it? Um, uh, how uh, the dopamine we're hardwired to chase uh, dopamine hits, uh, and when we are uh, consuming foods, then in the body's ability to process specific neurotransmitters within the brain. Um, we, we instantly chase dopamine through foods that maybe we shouldn't be consuming, uh, and that leads to this downward spiral where we uh, a food addiction, uh, a spiral that we can't break, uh, and that's exactly what it is, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a case of uh, of food addiction, which isn't a recognised addiction in the UK or the US. I don't know if 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 that's the case uh, in in Australia there with you. Um, but it food addiction is a real thing, um, and how. The food that we consume sometimes when we are being healthy. So I'm from a bodybuilding background as well. Um, I used to be clinically obese and type 2 diabetic, uh, suffered with chronic fatigue, depression, anxiety, arthritic pains, um, suffered with these daily debilitating migraines that would make me blind. I lost the weight through keto, uh, gravitated into carnivore, uh, became uh, a, a men's physique bodybuilder, a British champion, and European champion. Um, so I, I can, um, yeah, it, I can um, uh, sympathize with, you know, the effects of, uh, as you were saying, in regards to bodybuilding and competing in that sort of environment and, and food addiction. But in the bodybuilding sort of scene, we consume foods typically that we deem to be healthy. But some of these foods uh, negate the body's ability to absorb other nutrients, Um in particular, things like lectins and phytic acid, which are blocking the absorption of zinc, iron, and magnesium, and the body's ability to process these catecholaminergic neurotransmitters within the brain, which leads and further fuels this um, this this search and, and chase for dopamine, which leads to further um, uh, uh, food addiction. So even when we believe that we are consuming food, because we know that junk food isn't good for us, but we all, you know, believe or used to believe, isn't it, that a bowl of cereal or muesli is, is good for us, and we used to believe that certain plants are good for us, but these can block the absorption of, of these neurotransmitter signals within the brain, further fuel in this food addiction. So it was a massive um, a cycle, uh, you know, a struggle that, that, that I had to break, and becoming ketogenic and eventually carnivore managed to break that cycle for me. Uh, and now I, I, I'm still addicted to food. I love my food, but I'm not addicted to chasing those dopamine hits in in, in regards to those uh, those sweet foods. I love eating steak, eggs, uh, and and uh, yeah, and, and fatty cuts of meat. Um, 
so yeah, that's my two panas. I absolutely love everything you just said. And one of the biggest things is, you know, when we talk about food addiction, um, you know, I always call it a energy um, misfiring. So, you know, we have using foods that aren't creating the right energy within our bodies. And also too, if we even go back to, you know, between the, the age of zero to seven and, and when we actually using our taste buds and our senses and what we're actually programmed with, with our authoritarian figures with food, it really all starts there. And that's that dopamine center that really starts getting fired quite early um, because we also have that taste bud connection immediately, right? So, but also... So to our minds and our bodies, remember the memory of that. <laughs> so, you know, every single thing that we do, unless we're really conscious in understanding the metabolic pathways, both what I call physiological, psychological um, and biological. So there's all different levels there uh, when we talk about addiction. But again, not a fan of balance, not a fan of, you know, um, moderation. It, it just doesn't work. It's, it's a big bunch of BS. Um, what you have to do is understand your fueling, driving, pathways of why you're doing what you're doing um and also too you know totally understand richard being in the bodybuilding world you know it, it is a very superficial driven kind of person operates um and using foods are high carbs i got myself into trouble you know for many years doing that um but addiction, a lot of the time what people eat is, is gateway drugs to um leading some very very slippery paths that really are difficult to get back um in track of but also too one of the biggest things is, you know, when you want to change the way you eat for both mental and metabolic protocol, and that's always why whenever I work with anyone, food is for your, you know, thriving. It's not just but if you're if you have an issue with, you know, having one bit of sugar, it's like, you know, you can't just have one little bit for your mental health. Um, but again, we've got to go internal around that and value Sorry, it's a little bit choppy. Hope I kind of answered some of that question. <laughs> yeah, I was just saying. Yeah, it's, it was a little bit choppy there, wasn't it? But I, I think I think we picked up uh, the gist of it there. Uh, anything to add to that, Steve? I was thinking that in, in the bodybuilding realm, when people are eating, they tend to have good nutrition because otherwise you couldn't grow muscles without, you know, adequate protein. But what about poor nutrition where people uh, are not getting protein, not getting fats? What's the power of, of that, having a, a bad nutritional uh, lifestyle? How does that affect the mind and the body, especially in relation to self-image? So again, it, we've got to come back to what constructs we've learned. So again, you know, we've demonized meat, we've demonized saturated fat to be bad for us, kind of cult, <laughs> cult thing when you're with people that kind of say, if you're going to eat a steak and have butter on it, you're going to die of a heart attack. Um, you've really got to go through a lot of those things as well um, around being, I guess, challenged or questioned as to why uh, you want to actually use protein and fat as your main source. And I'm sure many people have spoken about it over the last 24 hours with you guys, but, you know, the brain loves um, ketones, it, it's not, a, you know, glucose is not really its preferred fuel. So whenever I'm looking at it from a mental and metabolic health, protein and fat is one of the most, you know, highest um, solutions that I see in people's mindset that changes, but also to, you know, their energy, the way that they see themselves, the way that they think, the way that they feel, um, you know, and again, with the bodybuilding industry, it's very carb driven. Um, but again, you know, 
got to look at individual and why they're doing what they're doing. But in the space that I will work in, it's fat and protein is the key, which is really birthright status, right? That that's where we that's where we come from, uh, and then we just feed ourselves as kids with lots and lots of rubbish that we get taught to feed ourselves with, or our parents do. <laughs> Did that answer your question, Steve? Yeah, um, yeah, I. I- for me, it's a bit difficult um, because it is chopping in and out, so we're missing some sort of key words uh, all there. Um, but I, I'm guessing that you know that you look for people yeah. who um, are, are not in, empowered, who feel that they can't control their life. So, what do you do to turn that around so they actually feel like they've got some power over their own? Um, image and their own mind and body? So I go through a few protocols with them. Firstly, it's just about me listening to, you know, their thought patterns, their narrative patterns, where their mind travels to whenever they're talking about food or whatever diet they've been on for the last 20 plus years. So when I'm talking to someone, I'm, I, I get to understand what's conscious and unconscious behavior patterns. And, you know, just by looking at someone, I can tell whether it's a conscious reaction or an unconscious one. So it's really just allowing people to understand what they're doing unconsciously first, but then also to, to allow them to be in a state of consciousness to start changing those narratives and patterns um, but also to the value structure of most people are always anchored outside of ourselves so you know we have been taught to value food which is an anchor whether it's alcohol food drugs or whatever it is they're all emotional anchors outside of ourselves which drive our behavior so really it's about me teaching people where their anchors are and what their emotional content and attachments are versus connections. So it really is just a kind of, you know, a one-on-one conversation to understand where they've been and to get them into a full state of consciousness so they can start changing their patterns. And I also give people tools and strategies how to do that every day. Um, But the other thing is when we're combining nutrition and understanding, you know, the carnival protocol, one of the biggest things is we do that alongside gently. So we can't go into full unfamiliarity straight away we have to do it gently because the thing is is your mind loves familiarity whether or not it's good for you or not did you catch all that (laughs) i missed the very end you started to talk about the the brain likes familiarity and um then it cuts out so we're conditioned to be in a familiar space whether or not it serves us or not so for example what i mean by that over and over again you're building a pathway of familiarity so the brain and the mind then goes, well, this is what we do. This is this is how we travel every day. This is how we think. This is how we feel. But what we actually have to do is the more that you do that, behaviors, thoughts, feelings, reactions that then create the same outcome. If you want a different outcome, different things, different thoughts, feelings, reactions, narratives, but you can't do that without understanding how just you are it's about thought feeling reaction credit uh natalie do you think it's worth you sort of logging off and logging back in just to see if we can get a better connection is that any better yeah i can hear you better now it it is actually okay. That's uh, good. i don't know why it was doing that but yeah welcome on back yeah it was very uh, very choppy and difficult yeah so um actually Richard, what was you saying about being in a box and oh, not feeling worthy? It, yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It. Um, I mean, we we were just having a conversation, and Natalie, while you were off about um, 
like uh, the, the bodybuilding community, it's seen as being um, quite superficial and people who compete uh, love themselves. And, and in fact, I found it to be quite the opposite. Um, myself included, I never felt worthy of the company of others. Um, my life for a long time was spent living in boxes. I would leave my box, my house. I would jump into my metal box. I would drive to a big box in which I would walk into that building and walk into my office, which was a small box inside the bigger box. And my life was spent living in boxes. Uh, anxiety and depression was so bad that I quite often couldn't leave my house if there was anyone living, uh, sorry, walking uh, in the street. Uh, Neighbours would quite often yeah. think that I was rude, but it's quite often that I, f- I didn't feel worthy of the company of others. And for me, um, you know, it was almost a case of uh, trying to make myself feel better. If, if I could become bigger uh, and better on stage, if I could go back and, and, and you know, increase a place in or, or win a competition, that in some, some strange way it would give me some self-gratification and make me feel better. When in reality, what I was doing is putting myself on stage to, for people to critique me because the, people are not looking at you thinking, you know, that person looks incredible when you're on stage. You were there to be compared against, you know, your competitors. Um, so you were being critiqued, um, which is probably the worst position that you could put somebody in who suffers with severe anxiety and depression. Um, but this is what the lifestyle had, uh, has done to me. So changing the foods that I consumed changed the way that my body produced those neurotransmitter signals within the brain and allowed me to feel at least a little bit more confident in order for me to set foot on stage. So the food that I consume quite literally you know, rewired my brain, if you like, in that respect, because I would have never have set foot on stage prior to that. But but even until, until my last year of competing last year, uh, when I was fortunate to win the European Championship, um, I was still in search of that um, uh, gratification from others, if you like. You know, you want, you want someone to tell you that you've done well um, because I think you feel that you're lacking something yeah. inside. So it uh, and yeah, and I I genuinely believe that most people who compete professionally within that sport um, are not as confident as you would uh, be led to believe by the persona that they pursue on stage. It's almost a case of playing a role. It's playing a part in in a film or a movie Um, when you're on stage doing your routine. um, You are an actor playing a role. And and this is what allows you to do it. You're in your costume. You're in your, you know, your, um, your your clothing, you know. You, you're not yourself per se, but that's certainly the case for me. Um, you know, I didn't feel confident on stage. I didn't do it because I wanted everybody to look at me. Um, I did it because I guess I wanted to feel better about myself um, in a weird, twisted way. Does that make sense? Absolutely, Richard. Um, you know, what you're saying there is exactly, you know, what I learned about myself and I didn't really realize because I wasn't a therapist at the time that I actually competed and. Uh, when I actually understood why I was doing it, it was because of a negative self-image through, you know, getting your body into a state of a perceived perception of what might be, you know, validated or, you know, however, having the best body didn't equate to have did the opposite um, because really, you know, it is about understanding that worthiness doesn't come from those external validations. It comes from within yourself and, 
you know, totally, totally understand. And, you know, I've worked with quite a few that have very, very negative self-images. But, you know, being on stage and getting a trophy and winning as many as you can, unless you work on that unconscious state and why, you know, it will never change and it will lead to a very, very slippery slope of disordered eating and behaviours. Um, again, I think, you know, it's great knowledge to understand why we do these things, but um, we have high, you know, mental health and things like that and they don't uh, and it wasn't until, you know, mostly people go either keto or carnivore when they realise the power of food for mental health, uh, what that really means. Um, so, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, it's interesting concept when you're on stage and I was also a judge for nearly five years so I kind of went on to as well um, to judge people and critique people um, which again you know was a whole new world on that side of the desk. Yeah anything you want to add to that Steve I mean it, it, just just to come back to, to what you said it was indeed I made a note that it, it was a pursuit of validation um, yeah that's exactly what it was um, do I still feel that way I think we all do to a degree, um, but certainly, you know, since I've been uh, heavy or a uh, deep carnivore, a lot of these, I certainly wouldn't be speaking to, to you to find people today uh, if I was suffering with this severe condition. Um, uh, I do public speaking events in front of thousands of people. Um, so a lot of this must have been combated through know uh, the diet and lifestyle that I've adopted for certain but I think it, it's probably always there and I think it's maybe something that's in everybody to a degree um, but I can I can only attribute my improvement to this uh, to, to do with 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 diet I mean I've, I've retired from from bodybuilding uh, I'm half the size that I was last year um, and yeah, it. I don't like it. I don't. <laughs> I don't like being smaller. Um, <laughs> but my goals have changed. I've come away from bodybuilding to compete in cycling and running. And in order to do that, being big is absolutely counterintuitive. Having wings on my back um, act as a sail on the bike and slow me down. Um, so it's absolutely counterintuitive, isn't it? Um, but yeah, it, I do miss the size and the mass. It did make me feel confident walking down the street in a tight t-shirt, uh, you know, biceps and chest bulging and, and people, you know, uh, paying attention and looking it did make me feel better. Um, I don't get that now. Um, but I, again, I, I, I don't feel that I'm looking for that validation so much either. Um, you know, I, I think that I, I, I get this validation maybe from uh, from other sources now in regards to what I do on a daily basis in, in, in helping other people reverse severe illnesses and, and diseases. Um, but it, it um, yeah, it, it's a minefield. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly an interesting topic for me. Bodybuilding aside, you know, even just clients who have had, you know, problems with alcohol and, you know, I'd call it probably disordered eating and drinking behaviours. But, you know, the minute that they start carnivore, um, you know, within a couple inch, um, and that is really the power of feeding and fueling yourself the correct nutrition, which is, you know, species appropriate way of eating. Um, and again, it's also something that I hear quite often is when people go down this, you know, protocol, 
the the reason for validation starts to go more internal about self-acceptance and validating yourself and what you're doing for you, not so much everyone outside of yourself, um, which, again, is really powerful because I, you know, totally agree, Richard, with what you were saying. You know, I love, you know, being able to be in front of people and help people, but, you know, seeing them validate themselves and using food primarily to do that is is really life-changing. Um, and you know what? I always say to people, you know, understand where the validation is coming from because a lot of the time it's just emotional voids that we have within ourselves that we're trying to fix and fill with someone else or something. Um, but once you get those emotional voids understood, um, and I would possibly say, you know, if I was going to put a percentage on it, the power of eating, you know, species-appropriate kind of a way, it's, it's probably, I would say, over 80%. You get that right. And then, you know, then we just do tweaks and things like that around the mind and mindset and, you know, self-image and value structures. Because remember, eating is also a form of a value. It's a self-respect. So a lot of the time we don't equate those two things to respect, and it is. Yeah. Anything? Do you want to jump in, Blast, Stephen? Enjoying your rest. I think Stephen's been standing for the better part of uh, uh, 20, 22 hours or so. Yeah, we uh, had that. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I was just um, making a quick comment there with Stephen that he's been stuck. So we've been on this now for how, how many hours, Steve? Um, uh, 22 hours. Twenty. So for, for the majority of that time, Stephen has been standing. Um, so <laughs> I, I've been sitting. Wow, you guys are amazing. So he's uh, yeah just been earning his uh, his uh, his well earned uh, uh, seated rest I think Steve isn't it and I've just uh, I just pulled you back up. <laughs> well yeah, I'm standing here barefoot and it's um, yeah it, it's it's actually just my feet hurt from standing all day twenty two hours twenty two and a half hours anyway I I think we might yeah. have to curtail this no i think i I think the internet is just too choppy really and um i'm impressed that people are still viewing because it's just too disjointed i think so we'll have to thank you for for turning up natalie i think maybe we can um pick it up another time (laughs) yes yeah i'd like to do this with the with the three of us so um just make sure we can get a good internet connection i think Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Your support means the absolute world to me. And if you're enjoying the show, I've got a small favour to ask you. I'd be incredibly grateful if you would consider becoming a supporter and make a small monthly donation. Your contribution will really help to improve the show. I'll be able to improve the software, maybe put a few more episodes out and do many things that I'm hoping to do in the future. Do them a lot quicker. So it's a small monthly contribution. You can cancel at any time and the link is in the show notes. Thanks very much for listening.